Yo, welcome to a My Pal Sammy episode. I am chilling. This is not a uh, My Summer Lawyer episode. I am just, um, I don't know. I just record these kind of hobo ramblings, I guess. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if that's a category on iTunes uh, that you can use. I think you have to put like arts or society or culture or something like that. Well, you'll, you will get some culture, uh, maybe a little society, I guess. So we'll just kind of uh, throw it out there and then uh, we'll see where we're at. I just thought I'd do a solo one because I'm sending out a newsletter. It's my pal Sammy, the newsletter as well as the podcast. I keep it simple because everything else in this life is so unnecessarily complicated. You can find it at Substack and you can sign up. And then there's just usually like curation uh, basically. I uh, offer you a pile of goodies, some morning tea, some really cool articles and things that I've been reading and um, things I've been kind of thinking about. What have I been doing lately? It, it It's weird because I, I miss, I think we all miss, but the best pop culture was always based on experiences. You go to the movies and there's that moment, well, there's two moments, but there's that one key moment where the lights dim and you know the movie's about to begin. In general, when the house lights go down, you know that's a special moment. It's about to pop off. It doesn't matter if it's a movie or a concert. That signal, that cue, that's an incredible, like, you you focus. You're ready, like, your shoulders, everything. You know you're about to get into the ring and it's about to go down. It's fantastic. I was going to say there's two cues for movies. Uh, obviously the one is the house lights and that's the one everyone kind of likes, but everyone also kind of like, I don't know, maybe it's because we've been away for so long, but everyone kind of seems to like the, um, you know, when they show you like, uh, Tom Hanks and he's all like pixelated and then they give you like three dumb clues. He was in Saving Prior Ryan. Um, he was in Turner and Hooch, but he wasn't the dog. They give you these like dumb clues and it's pretty obvious and clear who it is. And you also know that they have a movie coming out. So it's like, you know, they're fairly easy. I kind of miss those. This is what I mean by like experiences, right? Because it's like you go to the comedy club. You put on pants. You have the two drinks minimum. They're always watered down to. And concerts. I miss culture. In the end, in the long run, culture will be fine. They will find a way to make it work. But it's the short term. It's the short term that's going to have a huge impact on our creators and the work that they eventually do and the vent- the work that they eventually create. Music will be fine. You can record music in hotel rooms in all kinds of places. You don't have to do it in the studio setting. Music will be fine. I don't know what live music will be like, but music itself will somehow find a way to carry on. It's the other stuff. Stand-up comedy. You need people in the room to laugh. Like, you know, everyone thinks that they're funny. And- <laughs> Until you take the material out to a party or to an event. And then you realize that joke was not funny at all. I did not know that. Plays. What are plays going to do? I'm not even talking about like Broadway stuff like Hamilton and that kind of cheese. I'm talking about like small indie plays when you're in this little like room cramped together. 20, 30, 50 people. You literally pushed in there. I don't know how they are going to flourish or survive or whatever. Because they're not exactly multi-purpose rooms. Like some of those places you can't just take the seats out and then just use it as a 
I don't know, place to do voting or something like you, you need to figure out a way to make these rooms work. Years and years ago, I toured with a band and we drove from Toronto to Vancouver and we did all these stops along the way, especially in the smaller places, uh, Swift Current, Saskatchewan and, and places like that. Once you leave the bigger cities, they would have these multi-purpose uh, community rooms, I guess. I'm not really sure what they're called. It was just something I'd never seen. On Thursday nights, it would be bingo. And then Friday night, it would be a nightclub. And then Saturday night, it would be a strip club. And this is all one room. Like, God of mercy in your soul if you mess up bingo night with strip club night or something. So there would be a pole in the middle. There would be, like, night lights and things like that. Uh, all the red lights and strobe lights and things like that all strung up on the walls, which obviously they don't use for bingo night. I think the strobe light would probably set the seniors off. But, yeah, it's this multi-purpose room. And I, I wonder if that's <laughs> that's the way we got to go. Because coming from Toronto, a big city, you went to a strip club. You went to a bingo uh, hall, right? Like, you went to these places, individual places to go and have fun and have an experience. So, I yeah, I don't know what's going to happen with culture. One good news, one piece of uh, hope we're celebrating is that the AGO, the Art Gallery of Ontario, is open. The hours have changed. They're open Thursday to Sunday from 10.30 a.m. to 5 p.m. The entire gallery is time-ticketed, so they, of course, are limiting the number of people. And I saw an exhibition in March, early March, uh, right before everything kind of shut down, and right before North America literally like collapsed. It was called Illusions, the Art of Magic. I went like uh, during lunchtime. It's just basically a selection of uh, magic posters throughout the years, especially from the old-timey ma- magicians. And it just kind of shows you the evolution of marketing and magic and how way that people perceive superstition it's really fascinating if you have a chance go but i went one time during my uh lunch hour and uh in the in the second wing from the entrance there's this large harry houdini poster it's really simple like really stylish of just his face with some marketing blah 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 basically at the bottom it's harry houdini like you know who it is and this is one of the uh, one of the themes that kind of underscores the whole exhibition, right, is you kind of see the evolution of marketing. And there's reason why everybody who's like maybe like a kid from like grade one on up knows who Harry Houdini is. And we use these phrases, right? He Harry Houdini out of that game or uh, he somehow got out of that mess or whatever. And as I'm looking at this poster, I gaze into Harry's fiery eyes. An old woman, okay, fine, she's a senior. She basically shovels up behind me and she says, oh my, <laughs> thinking I, she must be like mesmerized by Herodini. She turns to me and she says, he's so handsome and so talented. He's so handsome and talented. And that right there, that's a totally different type of magic. Though he died in 1926, it's great to see Harry Houdini is still making magic happen in 2020. So yeah, if you have a chance, go check it out. Um, it's a fantastic collection of uh, photographs. And they have films and documents, um, cool magic gear. You can see handcuffs and Harry Houdini's straitjacket, you know, the one that you got out of. Yeah, as a magic nerd, 
or just somebody who's interested in like culture and marketing, how we hustle. It's a pretty fascinating thing. I do want to check out connected to the AGO is they also have a Diane Arbus uh, exhibition of photography. I don't know much about Diane. So this is, you know, the reason why you go is you show up ignorant and then you hopefully leave smart. That's the plan. We'll see how that goes. Other than that, yeah, I've been chilling with the NBA. NBA is back and it's weird and it doesn't make any sense. And I guess this is fine. Like I, I, I like because it's so different, like from what we've been doing all up till now, I don't really have a uh, frame of reference, I guess. This is all fine for a one-off. I don't know if this would work for an entire regular season of 82 games. Obviously, you can't put people in a bubble on a campus for 82 games. The cost would be prohibitive, like the sacrifices and everything. But for a handful of games into the playoffs and crown a proper championship, I'm okay with uh, doing this. The East is exactly what you expected. I think with the exception of the Nets and maybe the Magic, uh, you can make a legit case for any team in the East to get to the finals. Until the Heat are eliminated, I consider them dangerous. Raptors and Bucks are—they um, have really good records. Uh, they can be really intimidating, but I'm not convinced that they. Even if they get to the finals, I'm not convinced that they'll be able to win a championship, especially against a team like the Clippers, who have a lot more depth and uh, a lot more skilled players at key positions. Right now, everybody's kind of just shaking off the rust, getting back into the rhythm, finding momentum. So I don't really take a lot of stock in the wins and losses. We'll see what happens uh, when the playoffs begin. The West is pretty much just the race for the eighth seed. Uh, Spurs have had some bright moments. Uh, Grizzlies have had no good moments. Pelicans are just kind of hanging around. So it'll most likely end up being Portland Trailblazers. Which is, I think, better like for a first-round matchup between the Lakers. It'll be a funner, tougher, harder series. So we just wait and see. They The playoffs begin August 17. You know, one of the things that is actually kind of nice is having NBA games on at like 1.30 or 2 o'clock in the afternoon and then kind of right through the, the evening. That's an unusual change. And... Um, yeah, that, I don't mind. The games are still weird because of the no fans thing. It is what it is, but this is the whole thing with the coronavirus. Like, do we go back to normal or is it a new normal? Or how are we going to envision, like, what it is that we want to go back to? Because the thing is, we don't always have to go back to normal. This is the opportunity to make changes. This is the opportunity to make changes for public education and public transit, for culture. Whatever it may be, but to make those changes, you need somebody with vision, you need somebody with leadership, and you need somebody who's willing to execute uh, and kind of like sell that vision and get people to commit to that vision. So this would be a good window to make changes. I just don't know if we're going to make changes or if we're just going to kind of put the pressure back on organizations and schools and just try to go back to normal as quickly as possible. I don't know. The other thing that I have been uh, watching is uh, Netflix. I wonder, too, if Netflix is going to have an asterisk uh, for some of the ratings because everyone's just watching Netflix now. I don't know necessarily if, <laughs> if people are enjoying everything they're watching or if it's just there and then they're just bored because there's limited options. So the interesting thing with Netflix, too, 
since we're talking about all about culture and what we had and changes we can make is I I don't I'm not completely nostalgic for the video rental store if that makes sense like to go back to Blockbuster or Jumbo Video or whatever else we had nobody kind of really wandered into the stuff in the middle you always tried to get the latest release whatever is Jurassic Park or something like that you couldn't sometimes get stuff if you had the um the jerk face guy who wouldn't let you rent a rated R movie. There was also the other guy who also didn't care and he would just kinda let things slide. That guy was good. I have issues with the Netflix algorithm, but the convenience and the ease of Netflix, I'm like, yo, I like this system. <laughs> there there's a there's some nostalgia with the with, with the rental store. Just because that was the time that I grew up in. But it's not necessarily that I something that I would want to ever go back to. The record shop and the bookshop absolutely need to exist and need to find a way to continue thriving in this environment. Those are indispensable. But the video rental store, I'm okay. I don't mourn its passing. You want to hear something crazy about Netflix? This is from the book called That Will Never Work by Mark Randolph. Uh, he is one of the uh, co-creators of Netflix back in the day. In the year 2000, Netflix was on track to do $5 million in revenue, which sounds great, right? Blockbuster, same year, 2000, Blockbuster was aiming for $6 billion. Netflix, $5 million, Blockbuster, $6 billion. Netflix had 350 employees. Blockbuster had 60,000. Netflix had a two-story HQ headquarters in Office Park in Los Gatos. And they had, Blockbuster, they had 9,000 stores. That's madness that Blockbuster didn't survive and was taken out by Netflix. It's, I know it's a classic David and Goliath story that we sell uh, in terms of entrepreneurship and business, whatever, but they should have been able to navigate those rapids a little bit better. On Netflix, I started the second season of Umbrella Academy. Season one was clearly shot in Toronto and Hamilton. <laughs> You'll recognize a lot of the locations. There's even like a whole scene uh, with one of the last episodes of season one that uh, takes place in the Winter Garden Theater. Helped by uh, Young and Queen. I saw Dave Chappelle there. Actually, I saw Dave Chappelle not too far from where some of the bad guys were. And there was guns everywhere in the Winter Garden. And it was they were triggering an apocalypse. That was kind of cool. I don't remember an apocalypse happening the last time I went to the Winter Garden Theater. To, to kind of go back full circle to what we were talking about with culture. Uh, so that's kind of neat. That was kind of interesting. Um, it's a fun series. It, I like more the quirky comic book stuff than I do the um, like the traditional like Arrowverse and those kind of things. Um, regular superhero stuff. I like this quirky stuff. Uh, it's got really solid soundtrack, of course. Oh, and so I started watching, I think it's in the third episode or the fourth episode. There's there's a scene where um, Diego, one of the characters, and Five, the number five, another character, are crashing into this party. And there's a mariachi band that's playing. There's only one shot of the mariachi band. It's really short and it's really fleeting. But I think, if I'm correct, and it wasn't enlisted in the credits, so I hope... Uh, you know, I should send out a couple of feelers, maybe email the producer or something. But like, if I'm correct, I suspect that the mariachi band is Mariachi Azteca. So that sounds random, but that's not the random part. 
this is the random part. For Cinco de Mayo 2017, Corona Beer had organized a mariachi band bar crawl. It was five bars. That this mariachi band, which was Mariachi Azteca, would show up to a bar like the Lone Ranger and play a couple of tunes, Bambaleo or Juan Tanamera, and then jump into a van and then speed to the next joint. There was food and prizes and you know all the noise uh, and uh, hype uh, of beer companies. And I, I don't remember why the band's handler couldn't make it. The van was rented. Uh, the bars were already booked. They, the managers and all that, their staff knew that this like mariachi band was going to show up. It wasn't going to be a surprise party. And the band was in those, like um, uh, I guess, Three Amigos outfits. But their hand there was MIA. And again, I don't remember how I came up on the conversation, but I was asked by one of the bar owners, do you want to handle this mariachi band bar crawl? I'm like, hell yeah. So we all piled into a van, uh, myself and this gang of Mexicans, and we drove to the first bar. I I wasn't given any instructions on what it is I should do. I was basically just told, like, get the band out of the bar, into the van, and keep them somewhat on track, right? They had to hit the bars at different times. So when we showed up to the first bar, the band turned to me and said, what do we do? Do we just go in, or, like, how does this work? And I'm like, oh, yeah. How does this work? So, uh, jumping out of the van, I like basically like pimped walked to the front doors and I flugged them open uh, like a drunk celebrity. And I just yelled at the top of my lungs, Cinco de Mayo! And stepped aside so the band could materialize like a magician's assistant. And they just do their thing. It was crazy, man. Women adored them. They truly needed a handler to get out of some joints. I had to drop the hope, baby. I, we got a go card. Like a true player. That was kind of cool. You know, and as we were cruising to the next location, I asked them what uh, La Bamba means or Bambaleo. They'd share stories about growing up in Mexico. <laughs> Even our, um, eventually our, our Arab Muslim driver. He was kind of quiet the first little bit as we were driving to bar to bar. And then eventually, like, as the band would start kind of playing, uh, they would kind of warm up in the car. Uh... He started kind of getting into the vibe or whatever. And then he's like, I think it was about the third or fourth bar we showed up. He's like, can I join you guys? I'm like, yeah. I said, why don't you leave the charge and whatever. Just go into the, go into the front doors like you own the place and yell out, Cinco de Mayo. And then just step aside, let the band do their thing. He's like, all right. And so he did it. He burst through that place like he was a Kool-Aid man. <laughs> he, he was having tons of fun. Like I said, I'm not 100% sure if these guys were the correct guys in um, Umbrella Academy. I hope it was because these guys are cool and it would be neat to have them, like, even just for, like, a moment, just get some recognition on such a big hit show. And if it's not them, well, then I need better glasses and at least you got a good, cool story out of all of it. So that's kind of worth it, right? So, yeah, that's uh, what I've been chilling with. The AGO is open. If you can go, go. NBA is back on. If you have any perennial favorites or have some insights into what's going to happen, everything's so new and so different. It's hard to have a crystal ball. Uh, like home court doesn't even make sense anymore. So um, everybody's in the same time zone. Uh, the whole thing's weird. So I don't really put a lot of stock into predictions. You just kind of get up and just see what, what the day brings you. 
that's it for me. That's what the day brought me. Um, you can join me. As I said, I'm watching Umbrella Academy Season 2. Working my way through that. Enjoying that. Um, I find it a little uneven. Season 2. Season 1 was lots of fun. Lots of ruckus. And there was the apocalypse, uh, as I mentioned. But, uh, yeah. So I'm just working my way through that. I know it's kind of weird because I'm attaching this to the newsletter. But if you want to let your single friends know... Uh, my pal Sammy is the newsletter at Substack. So you just Google my pal Sammy and Substack, it'll show up. I usually host a show called My Summer Layer, and there are some new episodes coming up, um, including one really cool uh, lady in New York City. She's a writer, and uh, her name is Whitney Matheson. She recently did this painting. Should I tell? I don't know if I should tell you about the painting. I don't even know how to even explain the painting without sounding embarrassed. Uh, my face is getting a little bit red talking about this painting. All right. I'll just leave it there for now. But there's an episode with myself and Whitney Matheson coming up. You'll want to hear that because the opening of that conversation, uh, we talk about the special painting that she did and then how she did it. And um, trust me, it's 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 different. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. That was weird. Uh, yeah, I don't don't have the courage to really get into it right now you can follow me at all three social media networks that's how i roll i am my pal sammy for facebook my pal sammy for instagram and my pal sammy for the twitters and of course this is the uh my pal sammy episode solo episode thank you for hanging out it's kind of short and sweet just getting in and out i don't know, like an arnold movie where like he has to burst in and save the uh, the hostages or something, just getting in and out. But uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for hanging out. And thank you so much for listening to me in a Netflix world.